1: I talk to President Biden, you know, regularly, mm-hmm. or sometimes several times in a week, or usually several times in a week. His mental acuity is great. It's fine. It's as good as it's been over the years. I've been speaking to him for 30 years since we worked on the Brady Bill and the assault weapons ban when I was a young congressman. <laughs> um, and um, he's, he's, he's fine. All this right-wing propaganda that his mental acuity has declined is wrong. He's going to win the election because he has a great record, because um, more and more Americans are seeing that record. The only reason why
2: any Democrat would have confidence that Joe Biden could possibly win, even though they're gaslighting and lying about his mental acuity, even though he has the lowest polling of any incumbent president in modern history since they've been take since they've been keeping track of this is because they have yet another operation to steal the election just like Joe Biden told us prior to November 2020
0: we're in a situation where we have put together and you guys did did it for our administration, the president obama's administration before this we have put together I think the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics.
2: If Joe Biden, according to Chuckie Schumer, is so mentally aware, then why can't he be held responsible and questioned for what he said prior to November 2020 about an election fraud operation that was extensive and inclusive? Chucky e. Schumer would have you think that we would actually believe that he is mentally sharp and that, a, that he's going to win. Well, we know how he's going to win. If he's mentally sharp, how come he needs to schedule a time to answer questions from the press? This is him yesterday after coming to the lectern an hour late for a press conference. Good
0: afternoon. Good afternoon.
2: Before we begin, I'm going to make this statement. Let us stand in the
0: zone. I'm not going to take any questions, but I'll be taking questions tomorrow and the next day.
2: I'm not going to be taking questions. I'll be taking questions tomorrow or the next day. He flubbed it up so bad the other day when he was defending his mental acuity where he called, uh, what was it, the Egyptian president from Mexico and he just made all kinds of flubs. Now they totally got to control the pressers, meaning they have to have... The questions are going to ask, who the journalist is that's going to ask the question, and then pre-script everything out so that Joe Biden doesn't embarrass himself. So before he even got to the podium to give his pre-prepared speech, where he read the teleprompter after being an hour late because, uh, you know, RNC RNC research says maybe he forgot. No, I don't think you forget. I just think sometimes the cocktail that they give uh, to help with the dementia takes a while to kick in. So he starts talking. He shuffles uh, to the lectern. And as he's getting there, before he's even at the microphone and people can really hear him and the microphone can properly pick him up, he already announces that he won't be taking questions before he even starts. And when he actually delivers those pre-prepared teleprompter readings, he messes that up too.
0: In Ukraine, he won't limit himself just to Ukraine and the cost for America and our allies and partners are going to rise for Republicans in Congress who think they can oppose funding for Ukraine and not be held accountable. History is watching. History is watching. History is watching. Failure to support Ukraine at this critical moment will never be forgotten. I want to be clear about something because I know it's important to the American people.
2: I wonder if the teleprompter really said history is watching or he didn't realize that he kept reading the same line. History is watching. History is watching. Squinting, history History is watching. Failure to support Ukraine will never be forgotten because this is what the American people want. The American people want more than a border to be closed, more than inflation to go down, more than lawlessness to be stopped and gas prices to go down, what they really want is to send more money to a war that has nothing to do with us. That is, that is why it's going to go down in history if Mike Johnson doesn't take up the bill. And he's not. I'll get into that later in today's report. Now, let's not forget that Joe Biden has mental acuity That's the same as he had years ago, which by the way, Joe Biden was considered a clown and kind of a stupid politician, even in his prime. Let's not forget that little fact. So this is yet another clip from yesterday with Joe Biden having a hard time explaining how stockpiles work when it comes to Ukraine and uh, American munitions.
0: And the way it works is we supply Ukraine with military equipment from our stockpiles. And then we spend our money replenishing those stockpiles so our military has access to them. Stockpiles that are made right here in America by American
2: workers. Uh, uh, uh We use our military stockpiles.
0: We supply Ukraine with military equipment from our stockpiles.
2: Yeah, Joe. Mental acuity. Nothing wrong with you. Even if we knew that you weren't the fake president, and you were a good president, you don't have the mental acuity to do that job anymore, if you ever did. But hey, at least Joe Biden keeps his word. At least he keeps his word when he tells the press that he is not going to answer any questions
0: God bless you all. May God protect our speakers. And I promise I'll come back and answer questions later. Thank you. When Trump said that, sir, what did Putin hear?
3: What's planned if the speaker doesn't act? Sir, the hostages.
2: This mentally acute, totally on the ball man. Who is going to beat Trump in 2024 because the people, as Chucky Schumer said, are realizing what a great job he's done and that he's keeping his promises. Can't answer questions, won't answer questions. When he does get in front of the press, he messes up reading the teleprompter. When he does have impromptu press briefings, he says things wrong. So now it's going to be two or three days before they can prepare his next cocktail for him to be somewhat able to go through a scripted press briefing where he's answering questions that are pre-prepared, pre-answered, pre-written down, in a pre-order by pre selective journalists. And even with that machine they have helping him, Joe Biden has done less press briefings than any president in modern history, and Corrine Jean-Pierre, the low IQ lightweight that she is, can't even really explain why that is.
3: The numbers show that President Biden has engaged in about 33 news conferences compare that to Obama's 66 and Donald Trump's 52 by this time in their presidencies. Can you explain why the president isn't doing so look? Yeah. And I hear the question, and I know that uh, folks want to hear you all, and it's important because when you all hear from the president, obviously, uh, so does the American people. So we get the importance of that, and we're always going to try and find ways, uh, obviously, outside of press conferences as well, uh, to for the president to be out there. And we have found some non-traditional ways. We think it's important to try and meet uh, the American people where they are, Uh, and so that is important as well. Whether it's a podcast, uh, that's important, or um, you know, doing 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 certain things that is not. The norm. Uh, obviously, the person, uh, the president, I should say, uh, takes uh, you know takes your questions uh, when he's on the road as. Uh you know, more often than not, uh, and he finds it important uh, to have those conversations when you all are out there with him on the road taking your questions, and so he does do that. Uh, as far as press conferences, we're going to try and uh, make sure when it's the right time for to, for those to happen, certainly we will we will do so, uh, but it doesn't mean that this president does not engage uh, with with the press corps, with the White, White House press corps, or uh, with other uh, reporters, uh, journalists out there who have different, uh, different ways of communicating with with the American people as well. We think that's important too.
2: Yeah, she really struggled with that question, right? Actually surprised that she didn't have to go and read a, a totally prepared statement from her binder to come up and flub up with uh, that one. Absolutely ridiculous because this was uh, the day. This was um, on Monday. She said this on Tuesday. I just showed you the clip. Biden came up and immediately announced he's not answering any questions. So she was proved a liar. Within 24 hours of making that statement. And it's ridiculous. President Trump always answered questions on the way to Marine One uh, during anything that had nothing to do with uh, he'd be giving someone a medal. He'd be meeting with someone. He would take questions. Plus, he met with the press and he was on the news. She's saying, well, you know, non-traditional ways. He's on podcasts and that kind of stuff. This is just absolute
3: ridiculousness. Uh, as far as press conferences, we're going to try and uh, make sure when it's the right time for to, for those to happen. Certainly, we will we will do so. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good afternoon.
0: Before we begin, I'm going to make this statement. Let us stand in the zone. I'm not going to take any questions, but I'll be taking questions tomorrow and the next day.
2: Let's move on to Corinne Jean Pierre, with probably the most ridiculous statement of them all. At least the most ridiculous. Corrine jean Pierre statement this week.
3: ABC News Ipsos poll shows that 86% of Americans think Biden is too old to serve another term. That is a higher percentage than what we found in a previous poll in September. So clearly polling shows this is a persistent issue. What is the White House strategy to try and change that perception? So look, we're going to continue to lead on leadership, right? We're going to continue to focus on what this president has been able to get done, uh, what the president has been able to get done Uh on behalf of the, of the American people. Uh, and look, I'll quote a little bit of uh, what the First Lady said, uh, I think incredibly well, just a couple days ago. Uh, President Biden does more in one hour than most people do in a day. His age with experience and expertise is an incredible asset and he proves it every day.
2: He proves it every day. Every day he proves that he should not be in office Age and experience. And then she reads that prepared statement, quoting Jill Biden, who they prepared the statement for, for statement for her to say that. Age and experience. Hey, we couldn't agree more. Age and experience. That's why we need Donald Trump, who's got age and experience. But don't worry, folks. Don't worry. Just in case you're worried about it. Kamala Harris told the Wall Street Journal... That she is ready to serve as Biden faces age scrutiny. So, you know, we got that covered. If they get rid of him, we can all be with her. (laughs) Because a whole bunch of other guys have actually been with her. And I hope those gentlemen have a stockpile of penicillin and have gotten their junk checked. All right. Let's get into some great news. The House of Representatives coming through.
4: Right now, the House is trying for the
2: second time to impeach Biden DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas on charges of willfully refusing to enforce our border laws. Now, the magic number here is 214. Right now, looks like they just crossed the threshold. Uh, We're going to continue to monitor this, but right as of now they just crossed the threshold yes so that means yeah alejandro mayorkas has been officially impeached by the house of representatives wow wow indeed the house came through house impeaches mayorkas first cabinet member impeached in nearly 150 years homeland security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas was impeached by the House Tuesday night in a narrow 214 to 13 vote, becoming the first cabinet official to be impeached in almost a century and a half. William Belknap, Secretary of War to Ulysses S. Grant, was impeached by the House in 1876, despite resigning before the vote. We'd only been so lucky if Mayorkas had resigned before the impeachment vote had taken place. Belknap was acquitted by the Senate, and outcome should be repeated if the Senate does not procedurally kill Mayorkas' impeachment. Remember, like President Trump has been impeached two times, and as I outlined for you in in yesterday's episode, they're already preparing the third impeachment of President Trump over funding for Ukraine when he wins at the end of this year, and then is sworn in January 20th, 2025. Impeachment is when they bring forth charges. They indict the president in the lower chamber of the House of Representatives. Then the trial goes to the Senate, and that is where the expulsion would take place once the Senate rules on that. Now, they can take up the vote and acquit Alejandro Mayorkas, which is most likely to happen, or procedurally, I guess there are some ways that they don't even have to take up the vote. Remember, the Democrats hold that slim majority, so they can change rules. You know the parliamentary the parliamentary rules. Nevertheless, Republicans can, can claim they secured a rare opportunity in a bitterly divided Congress to hold the Biden administration accountable on what could be the election-defining issue of 2024. Quote, Secretary Mayorkas' willful refusal to enforce federal law created an unprecedented crisis at our southern border and left innocent Americans to pay the price, Tom Emmer, Majority Whip, said. Because Mayorkas failed to do the honorable thing by resigning, House Republicans fulfilled our constitutional duty by voting to impeach. All right, let's not forget that they tried to impeach Mayorkas last week. There was a little drama there. First of all, Scalise was uh, not able to vote. He was back in Louisiana receiving cancer treatment. And then, in dramatic fashion, someone they didn't think was going to vote on the Democrat side, you had Representative Al Green of Texas rolled into the House chamber from a Washington emergency room and he, ca- he cast the decisive vote against impeachment. And the Republicans didn't even think he was going to show up to vote. So that was uh, pretty dramatic. But there was a reversal because Steve Scalise did show up. We still have the same three folks that uh, that opposed impeachment on the Republican side. We had uh, Gallagher, we had uh, Buck, and we had Tom McClintock uh, from California. I, th- I think I voted for Tom McClintock back in the day when I, when I lived in California and was a young man. I I know that Tom McClintock was somewhere where I lived at one time in California, and it seems to me that I voted for him at, at one point. But the, Gallagher's vote is so popular, he actually even uh, just announced uh, he's from Wisconsin that he's not even going to seek reelection. So the uh, Scalise came and saved the day, and the three rhinos went and voted as they had previously. Uh, The impeachment is a victory for Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, the loudest and most persistent champion of booting Mayorkas from the administration. She and her allies claimed that Mayorkas had intentionally refused to follow existing laws and lied to Congress, clear grounds for impeachment. She had uh, something to say about this whole affair. Uh, She was with Steve Bannon on the war room right before the vote happened making a case for why this vote needed to be done what the actual offenses were and refuting the false leftist narrative that Mayorkas's actions or inaction do not rise to meet the standard of an impeachable offense
5: MTG you got to help the audience out here because you you have a pretty straightforward path uh, once again, I just want to counter the MSNBC anchor and, of course, the congressman said, you have no high crimes and misdemeanors. you got no bribery. You've got nothing. Once again, what's your response to them? To the and I want to make sure that we're pushing this out to the American people when they say you've yeah, got nothing that's impeachable.
4: It's, it's very simple. For the very pathetically dumb girl on MSNBC, that's how it works in Congress is you have to whip the votes, and when you have enough votes— you can pass something on the House floor. That's how it's done in both parties. And she's just so dumb and clueless. You could tell by the look in her eye that she had no idea, but she was reading the garbage that somebody put on the teleprompter in front of her. But that's how it works. We have the votes to do it. As long as we can get everyone in town, then we can vote to impeach the worst traitor, Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. He needs to be impeached.
5: I think one of the things, I think one of the things they're saying is that what you have does not rise to the level of an impeachable offense. What is your response to that?
4: Well, that's an absolute lie. And we have six pages in the articles of impeachment that are dedicated to outlining all of the federal immigration laws that Alejandro Mayorkas has broken. And it's if anyone can read, and I'm pretty sure most people are educated in this country, including Dan Goldman, because he's pretty proud of his education and his elite status and his very rich family and his trust fund, then Dan Goldman is capable of reading all the federal immigration laws that Alejandro Mayorkas has broken. And that's why he should be impeached. But if anyone wants to read the articles of impeachment, they're up on the Homeland Security Committee website. You can find them there. Um, We also have them posted on my website. And I encourage people to go read for yourself so when your clueless Democrat family members, God bless them, they can't help it, or trying to argue with you that Alejandro Mayorkas has done nothing wrong. Yes, absolutely he has. And you can read them six pages of federal immigration laws that he's broken. And that is why we're working so hard and that's why I'm pushing so hard for this impeachment.
2: Well done, well done, bravo, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Little questioning. How swampy she was getting with her coziness with Kevin McCarthy. Maybe she was just playing him to get things done. But she has proven me wrong. As of late, she has been solidly MAGA working for Georgians and for America. Now, I'd never seen this clip before and I want to show it to you. This is Joe Biden in 2015 promoting, obviously during the Obama time, promoting a nonstop wave of immigrants. And there's Mallorcas sitting right next to him. This is 2015. These people let us know what they're going to do in advance. It's part of their satanic code or something.
0: I would argue it's unlike any other large country in the world. So there's a second thing in that black box, an unrelenting stream of immigration, nonstop. Nonstop. Folks like me who were Caucasian of European descent for the first time in 2017 will be in an absolute minority in the United States of America. Absolute minority. Fewer than 50% of the people in America from then and on will be white European stock. That's not a bad thing. That's a, that's a source of our strength.
2: Nonstop flow of immigration. Some people can agree or disagree with the watering down of American, uh, excuse me, of America's white European blood. But for some reason, I don't see anyone like totally pissed off at Japan for being homogenous or China or Korea, South or North Korea. But people sure seem to hate when Mostly white European places that have been traditionally mostly white European. Let's take America off the table for a second because we have been more of a a melting pot. There were indigenous people here when the Europeans came. We had black slaves. So we never were going to be like pure European, let's say like Norway or what have you. But this is probably a part of a globalist agenda. If we look what's happening over in Europe, Europe is fast losing her identity. And I lament that first time I went to Paris, I don't know, 10 years ago, the over by the old Shakespeare bookstore was uh, across cross street starts the Latin quarter over by Notre Dame. And the first time I went with my children, with junior and Juniorette, it was incredible. You walk through and you could just smell all the French pastry. There was all these crepe places with delicious crepes, whether you wanted like a ham and cheese crepe, like a a lunch crepe, or you wanted to have something with strawberry and cream. It was just ambrosia. We ate so much on that little part of the Latin Quarter. I was there again, 2019, 2019. So almost five years ago now, it was April or May of 2019. That same Latin Quarter, no crepe shots whatsoever in that same little stretch it was all halal food, and I felt like I was in, in Istanbul, which I still haven't visited yet. But that's how it felt, and that's how it looked. And that was the Latin Quarter. That, was a part of, uh, that part of Paris was traditionally French crepes and cuisine, and there was not one shop. There was closed shops. I don't think that's a good thing. I, I think it's great that we have variety. I have no problem with there being halal and... Chinese food and Japanese food and Italian food. But I just felt just just two or three blocks away from Notre Dame that Paris had lost its Parisian-French culture. And I am for the preservation of culture, whether it's mine or another culture, as long as that culture, you know, not a culture of raping children and enslaving women and things like that. You know, things like you see in North Africa and the Middle East. uh, Things you see in, you know, I don't think we should preserve the Chinese culture of imprisoning Uyghurs and binding women's feet. I don't know if they still do that, but you know what I mean. Things that are not immoral and are cultural should be preserved. But that is the destruction of Western society. And Do not fall, and if you're on here, obviously you don't fall for this, but this hate of Western culture and Christianity, this satanic assault on our traditional values is, it's it's red alert time, folks. It's red alert time. It's not about white culture. It's about moral and traditional values, whether it's family, whether it's, you know, the fact that there are two genders, whether it's the fact that. Children should not be sexualized. Everything is under attack. Satan's plan is to destroy the bedrock of Western traditional values, and that is the nuclear family. Okay, I went on the side here. This is a rant, but I feel very, very strongly about the importance, the bedrock, foundational importance of our Judeo Christian values and the nuclear family unit. And everything is trying to destroy that because these immigrants coming in are mostly military age men coming by themselves. And I have a problem with that. But luckily, this Senate bill that they passed over the weekend with a lot of hoopla and fanfare from the leftists. Media from the rhinos and the Democrats is D.O.A. when it comes to the House Speaker Johnson is like, uh, maybe just maybe we should work on the wall and this imminent funding of the government issue we have and not worry about Ukraine.
3: The fate of a massive foreign aid package now hangs in the balance after it won Senate approval in the early mornings of today. Senators approved the $95 billion legislation by a vote of 70 to 29 and a major bipartisan victory for the upper chamber. But the bill now advances to the House where it faces steep opposition from a number of Republicans and that includes Speaker Mike Johnson.
0: By a margin of 70 to 29, TO MOVE FORWARD WITH THE BIPARTISAN NATIONAL SECURITY BILL. NOW, NOW IT MOVES TO THE HOUSE. AND I URGE SPEAKER JOHNSON TO BRING IT TO THE FLOOR IMMEDIATELY. IMMEDIATELY. THERE IS NO QUESTION THAT THE SENATE BILL WAS PUT ON THE FLOOR in THE HOUSE OF REPRESENTATIVES, IT WOULD PASS. IT WOULD PASS. AND THE SPEAKER KNOWS THAT. SO I CALL ON THE SPEAKER TO LET THE FULL HOUSE SPEAK ITS MIND and not allow a minority of most extreme voices in the House to block this bill even from being voted on. Even from being voted on. This is a critical act for the House to move. It needs to move. The bill provides urgent funding for Ukraine so it can keep defending itself against Putin's vicious, vicious onslaught.
1: The responsibility now falls on Speaker Johnson and House Republicans to approve this bill swiftly. And I call on Speaker Johnson to rise to the occasion, to do the right thing. Bring this bill to the floor.
2: Now, they just wrapped up, as of the time I'm recording this, a press conference, Ali Stefanik, Mike uh, Johnson, to the press. Mike Johnson, I think, probably talks to the press as Speaker of the House more than Joe Biden has combined in the last several months. This is what he said at the very tail end of this. The left and the Marxist media, and also the conservative media, uh, media like Fox News, I'll show that to you in a second, are all up in arms about them not funding Ukraine, about him playing games with the funding. And Mike Johnson is very, very clear about all of this. Fund the border first. Give us a good bill. They're not going to work with garbage. One more.
3: Thank you. Thank you. Welcome back to um, you, you have said that you want a meeting with the president, as Scott was saying. HR2 is, is dead in the Senate. You yourself were part of killing the Senate compromise bill. You called it dead on arrival from what you knew. So my, my question to you is, while you say there need to be solutions, what are House Republicans doing to get to a solution on the border and on Ukraine? or are you going to actually do nothing? What is your proposal? What are you doing? No, we're, we're addressing each of those issues. There are important issues on the table. We are not going to be uh, forced into action by the Senate, who, in the latest product they sent us over, does not have one word in the bill about America's border, not one word about security. The reason that the other one was dead on arrival is because it did not meet the moment. It did, would not have solved the problem. You can't leave giant loopholes and codify some of the things that have gotten us into this situation. So what we're doing right now is we, the House is working its will. The House Republican Conference we just met an, an hour ago uh, with all the members, and there are lots of ideas on the table of how to address these issues. We will address the issues. We'll do our duty on that matter. And uh, and and all that begins in earnest right now. Um, we have to address this seriously. We have to actually solve the problems and not just uh, take political posturing, as, as has happened uh, in some of these other corners. What well, thank you. Thank you. Like, get those bills done in, time.
2: in other words, Mike Johnson saying they can't send us a Ukraine funding bill and not first send us a fix a border bill. And the previous bill that they were trying to put together as a fix the border bill with all their pork inside was political posturing because it didn't actually fix the border crisis. So we're working on something that actually addresses that. Maybe they're going to soften up some of the stuff on HR2, which is hardline as it should be, but they want border security. But what do the Republicans uh, in name only and what does the deep state
3: swamp want? And here's the thing. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell also released a statement after the foreign aid bill passed saying that the Senate will not neglect the the nation's national security responsibilities and, quote, did not blink in addressing them today. They want that Ukraine funding. That's the most
2: important thing to them. You cannot stop this money laundering uh, money train. You cannot you cannot kill their golden calf. You cannot kill what they have been milking because these are millions and billions of dollars going to these politicians that they're laundering through our taxpayer funds to Ukraine. They must support the military industrial complex and in preparation for a conflict and they must have all of these munitions and and, and military hardware that we're giving to Ukraine, they must be able to fill those orders, these military industrial complex companies, because as you heard uh, previously here, Biden saying they give the stockpile to Ukraine first and then we replenish it. Oh, that seems like a really good national security tactic now, doesn't it? And everyone hates Mike Johnson for holding the line. And it's not just the leftist press either, folks. This... There was a meltdown this morning on Fox News over this.
3: Speaker Johnson, Speaker Johnson said uh, he was slamming this package for excluding the border security provisions. The Senate bill, he said, is silent on the most pressing issue facing our country, talking about the border. He says he's not going to bring it to the floor if it passes the Senate, which it did, but they could find a way to go around the speaker.
0: Right. And he says the reason that the House is not going to bring it up is because it needs uh, border security stuff, which ironically was in the Senate bill last week week. But of course, that was kicked to the curb because a bunch of Republicans bailed on it because Donald Trump didn't like it. Um, according to Punchbowl this morning, House leadership believes that they cannot bring this particular Senate bill to the House floor if Johnson wants to remain speaker. In other words, if they bring it up in the House,
2: he will be gone. See, ya. You can hear the animus, the disdain, the disgust, the contempt by Fox News for President Trump. Essentially trying to say that Mike Johnson is a puppet of President Trump, and that's why this whole thing isn't coming through. And they are pissed at Fox News about that. As if Mike Johnson and President Trump are the traitors. By the way, the next episode I'm gonna be working on right after this is a lot of what's going on with President Trump, Mar-Lago, the CIA. What have you, I was gonna I was gonna put it in this episode, but it it I'll I'll do that in the next episode because we need to get into quite a bit of details. We need to go down the rabbit hole on what we've known and what's come out lately. So that's gonna be the next episode. Look forward to that. But everything, of course, has been a concerted attack against President Trump. But the real traders are the rhinos, the Republicans in name only. And check out this nugget. Check out this nugget. This is Senator Ron Johnson exposing Mitch McConnell and his betrayal of Republicans and America in working at, with the globalist Uniparty and the Democrats on border security. Just
5: very simply, when we entered this thing, McConnell, his top priority was funding for Ukraine. But public opinion and the very strong political rhetoric that we ought to secure our own border before we spend $60 billion to secure Ukraine's was effective. And so McConnell finally switched and said, okay, we got to let Democrats know we're serious. We're going to defeat cloture on this bill. And we're going to demand that border security is going to be attached to funding for Ukraine. Then secret negotiations occurred on an on issue that the public supports Republicans on. And we end up with this monstrosity of a bill. It's an immigration bill. It's not a border security bill. But during during that time frame, we repeatedly talked about making Ukraine funding contingent on border metrics. You know, just like performance measurements in, in business, right? As, as the border was secured, you'd get $5 billion a month. I mean, we had it all laid out, had a proposal. It had a great deal of support in our conference. But what Mike pointed out is, unbeknownst to us at the time, McConnell told Langford that's not even on the table. He he on his own using his own authority without telling the conference even though he knew that knew the conference supported tying border security or Ukraine funding to actually securing the border. McConnell just took that off the table and that moment of leverage we had where we could use Biden's desire for Ukraine funding to actually force him to use his executive authority to secure the border has been lost. And that is why so many of us are speaking out against McConnell. It was such a breach of his of his leadership position and is such a you know just a horrible thing to do to Americans who want to secure border. But that's that's where we're at. So again, I think it has been smoked out. Now the action moves to the house.
2: Mitch McConnell, unilaterally, not even putting on the table. What they had agreed upon as a Senate Republican conference to give them the Ukraine funding contingent on Biden and Mayorkas doing their job on the border. And McConnell killed it by himself. Because, of course, they don't want to secure the border. They want to fund more money laundering through Ukraine. Mike Johnson is holding the line in the House of Representatives. Ron Johnson exposing Mitch McConnell. Fox News having a meltdown. And Marjorie Taylor Greene winning the day with her impeachment of Mayorkas being successful in the House. A lot has happened in the last day or so in D.C. Let's pray that Mike Johnson continues to hold the line... And that we can somehow hold these people accountable. Because if we don't hold these treasonous, traitorous, rat bastards accountable, they will continue in their treasonous and seditious acts infinitum. Why wouldn't they? They keep getting away with it. Thanks for joining me here on the BCP Podcast podcast. We have a, another uh, episode that I'm already working on for you. So thanks again for your support. Tell a friend about this show. We really are dependent on you to get the word out because we have no funnel to let people know that we're even here. We appreciate it. Till the next one, ciao, goodbye. God bless.
0: We're in a situation where we have put together and you guys did, did it for our administ- the President Obama's administration before this. We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics.